It's Tuesday, November 12th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the Supreme Court heard a case that could impact the lives of hundreds of thousands of young immigrants living in the U.S. We'll explain why the Supreme's decision could also affect the power of the presidency. Then, Bolivia's president has fled the country and gone to Mexico? We'll explain. And finally, we're sorry to say, today feels like January. Hopefully it'll blow over. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Beauty Counter. The most complicated story today is about DACA. That's the program that protects some undocumented immigrants whose parents brought them to the U.S. as children from being deported. Today, the Supreme Court is hearing a case that will determine whether the Trump administration can end that program. It's one of the most high-profile cases the justices will hear this term. And the decision could affect hundreds of thousands of people. So today we're going to explain what DACA is, who exactly this decision could affect, and why this case is before the Supreme Court to begin with. Let's get into it, starting with, what is DACA again? It stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. President Obama created it via an executive action back in 2012, after Congress wouldn't pass comprehensive immigration reform. Here he was introducing the program seven years ago. Now, let's be clear, this is not amnesty. This is not immunity. This is not a path to citizenship. It's not a permanent fix. What this was about was protecting young people who'd been brought to the U.S. as kids from getting deported. This is a temporary stopgap measure that lets us focus our resources wisely while giving a degree of relief and hope to talented, driven, patriotic young people. The Obama administration basically asked undocumented immigrants to come out of the shadows and tell the federal government that they existed. Getting DACA status did not mean an immigrant had legal status, like a visa to stay in the U.S. And DACA status had to be renewed every two years. But as long as a person had DACA status, they were protected from deportation and in the meantime could get a job, even a driver's license. But President Trump wasn't a big fan of DACA. In September 2017, his then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced they were canceling the program. The Department of Homeland Security should begin an orderly, lawful wind-down, including the cancellation of the memo that authorized this program. Since then, a number of DACA recipients have filed lawsuits. And while those cases have made their way through the courts, the program hasn't accepted any new applicants since September 2017. But the courts have ruled that people who'd already been accepted to the program can apply to renew their DACA status. Now that a potential shutdown of DACA is on the Supreme Court docket, the lives of a lot of those people are hanging in the balance. Since DACA was created in 2012, nearly 800,000 people have received DACA status. That means they checked all those boxes. These were people who'd been brought to the U.S. before they turned 16. They were in school or were a veteran, and they hadn't been convicted of a crime. Over time, some of those DACA recipients dropped off. Either they didn't apply to renew, or they got a new immigration status, like residency or citizenship. But that still leaves almost 700,000 people holding their breath, waiting for a decision from the Supreme Court. Not to mention all the people who haven't been able to apply since the program was halted. One DACA recipient is Martine Bataya Vidal. 
He's also a lead plaintiff in the case heard by the Supremes today. It's overwhelmed because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the decision is going to be in favor or in or against us. But at the end of the day, we already won. We already won by having our case in the Supreme Court. So why did the Supreme Court hear this case today? It has to do with why the Trump administration said it was ending DACA. Because for the Supreme Court, words matter. Sessions could have just said, hey, we're making a policy change and DACA's over. But he didn't. He said the administration was getting rid of the program because it was illegal and unconstitutional. Which means that reasoning might have to stand up to judicial review. You can't just say something's illegal without proving it. Some lower courts have said the administration's move fails that test. Now it's the Supreme Court's turn to decide. The court's ruling on this could have broader implications beyond just the lives of DACA recipients. It could also have a huge impact on the power of the presidency. If the Supreme Court agrees that the DACA program started by President Obama is illegal, future presidents would have a harder time bringing it back if they wanted to, or they'd have a harder time starting similar programs. They would need to rely instead on Congress. Congress has been trying and failing to pass comprehensive immigration reform for years now. So that might take a while. So what's the skim? The case today concerning DACA recipients is one of the biggest cases the Supreme Court will hear this term. And the court's ruling could have huge effects on immigration policy. DACA protects some immigrants from deportation. So if the justices agree that the Trump administration did the right thing by shutting it down, then DACA recipients could be at greater risk of being deported. That means being taken away from their lives, jobs, families. It'd be a huge deal. It could also shift things ahead of the 2020 election. The Supremes are expected to rule on this case by next summer, just a few months before people head to the polls. So far, every top Democratic candidate has come out in support, not only of DACA, but also of giving DACA recipients a pathway to citizenship. So whichever way the court rules, immigration policy could become more of a rallying cry on the right or left just before the next big election. Coming up, Bolivians have chased their president out of the country to Mexico. And he's bringing some serious baggage with him. That's next. If you're worried about questionable ingredients in your makeup and skincare products, try Beauty Counter. It's the leading clean beauty brand, creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. From moisturizers to makeup, cleansers to sunscreen, Beauty Counter uses clean ingredients to create products that really work. Go now to beautycounter.com and see all the cleaner and safer products you could be using. That's beautycounter.com. After being accused of rigging Bolivia's election last month, Bolivian President Evo Morales has fled the country. And depending on who you ask, this is either a great moment for democracy or the result of a straight-up coup. Even before Election Day, Morales was under pressure. A lot of Bolivians were angry with his decision to run for a fourth term as president. They previously rejected his bid to extend term limits, but then he did it anyway. He also persecuted political opponents and was criticized for responding too slowly to recent wildfires. But it was his handling of last month's election that changed everything. The vote count was going smoothly, with Morales and his opponent, Carlos Mesa, battling for the lead. Until the vote counting stopped. For almost 24 hours. We don't really know why, but when it suddenly resumed with most of the votes magically tallied, Morales was way in the lead. 
Morales' critics took to the streets in protest, and international elections observers started putting together a report on what happened. That report, by a regional group called the Organization for American States, dropped on Sunday. And it wasn't pretty. It revealed forged signatures on ballots, polling places counting more votes than it had registered voters, and concluded by saying that there were, quote, clear manipulations in the vote count, which meant the results couldn't be trusted. After that report, Morales' own allies in the Bolivian government resigned. And then the military reportedly told him, you'd better leave. Morales resigned on Sunday, but after a wave of protests on Monday, he finally said, okay, I'm really going now. The Mexican government offered him political asylum and actually flew him out of the country on an Air Force jet. President Trump and the conservative leader of Brazil are totally on board with Morales' exit. But a number of left-wing governments definitely aren't. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro claimed the U.S. helped topple Morales and called for a solidarity vigil. Cuba basically said the same thing. And Mexico's foreign minister joined Nicaragua's government in calling what went down in Bolivia a coup. Crowds gathered in Mexico to greet Morales today. But not everyone there is rolling out the red carpet. Mexico's constitution bans its president from ever seeking re-election. And some have said we shouldn't be helping a leader who defied the constitution to stay in power. Others worry it's a bad idea for Mexico to get involved in ideological battles that often consume Latin America. Whatever the impact for Mexico, it's becoming increasingly clear that the fight over how to interpret Morales' exit from power, either coup or democratic triumph, is just beginning. It's the golden age for TV and streaming. Also, we should add, for true crime podcasts, great audiobooks, and YouTube videos of professional chefs recreating your favorite candy. But Democrats on Capitol Hill hope you've got time for one more big event. Public impeachment hearings. It all starts tomorrow and Friday. Two days of televised hearings featuring three State Department officials involved in Ukraine policy. George Kent, William Taylor, and Marie Ivanovich. All three have testified already in closed depositions, though we saw transcripts of their testimonies last week. But Democratic leaders hope these public hearings will allow Americans to hear directly from the witnesses themselves, and that compared to the many storylines of the Mueller report, this Ukraine one will be a little bit easier to follow, though whether the hearings actually make for good TV is still TBD. Meanwhile, Republicans want to bring in their own star witnesses, including former VP Joe Biden's son, Hunter, also one of his longtime business associates in Ukraine, and the whistleblower, whose complaint kind of started this whole quid pro quo drama. Democrats say so far, Hunter Biden and the whistleblower won't be called in. The public impeachment hearings kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, and you won't need a streaming package to follow along. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the Midwest, where a meteorologist say today feels a lot more like January than it does mid-November. That's thanks in large part to an Arctic air mass. Think large body of very cold air, which floated on over to us from Siberia. Yes, actual Siberia. 
Some parts of the U.S. felt a 40-degree drop in temperature since yesterday, which means, unfortunately, it is definitely time to dig out the gloves. This is your public service announcement. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter at The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 